0: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bissell.
1: And I'm Timothy Plain.
0: So this week, we I am so excited to have this guest on this week. Um, I've been thinking about getting Hilton on the show for, I don't know, like at least two years. Uh, and we finally did it. And uh, so just a little bit of background. Mm-hmm. So uh, Assistant Director Hilton Day is our guest today. And I met him probably right before we started the podcast when I shot my uh, short film brother um, Jeff Kramer was uh, awesome enough to bring Hilton on uh, as my first ad and it was it was so awesome. Hilton did such a great job it was such uh, a fun project so. and it's like now, Whenever I have any need for an AD or, you know, thinking about any project in the future, I'm always like Hilton, 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 Hilton. Uh, Except like, you know, most of the stuff I do, I'm either not in control of hiring the AD or we don't have a budget for an AD. So I don't think I've actually worked (laughs) with Hilton since, brother. Right. But I've always been like, man, I got to work with him again. So, of course, when I make the alternate, Hilton's going to be on that movie uh, as long as he's available. Um,
2: Absolutely. I hope so bro I definitely hope
0: so.
1: I wonder how many filmmakers out there are even working with ADs that's why I'm I'm uh. excited about this conversation cuz we might be actually introducing some people to the concept of what an AD does cuz I think a lot of I know when I started out I thought that an AD was just like somebody who was training to be a director
2: yeah right <laughs> right you know that's a that's a common misconception too uh just because it's, it's the assistant part yeah the assistant <laughs> right give me some coffee hilton i'm right. thirsty exactly yeah and i and i will look right back at you like are you fucking serious <laughs> that's not my job <laughs> not my no job. <laughs> or,
0: or or you'll be like okay uh pa number 20 or whatever um <laughs> right. can we fly in some coffee for timothy really quick <laughs> right
2: right right you know oh but, that's you know, funny. it's all good it's all good we i i, cr- I correct people pretty swift when they when they and they don't uh, understand. It's their first day, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. There's a,
2: a clear cut difference between director's assistant and the assistant director, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it is really.
3: Fit.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. I think it's common because I had the same misconception too. And then when I was hired as an assistant director on the first movie I've worked ever worked on, and yeah. the directors and producers of that movie didn't really understand what an assistant director did. They thought I was like a producer basically. Um, right. so it was, it was really interesting. Also, that was different. Cause it was like, they were coming from the Bollywood background and the Bollywood background assistant directors are different than, um, you know, assistant directors in America. So there was a little bit of something there too. Yeah. Anyways, I,
2: I've definitely worked on, um, foreign productions where there was a, uh, like a core assistant director and I was there kind of just like it is an American liaison and uh, then there's also been, you know, situations where, you know, I, I've been there and, and the actual foreign AD was, was the liaison for me to communicate to the foreign team the same way that I would do to the, for the Americans. So, oh, wow. you know, yeah, there's I, I can totally relate.
0: Nice. So before we get into it, cause I want you to define what an assistant director does and what the the role is. But before we do that, give, give everybody your one minute bio about like who you are, your background and, and what you do.
2: Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, um, uh, as a, as a freelance assistant director, you know, I've, I've definitely, I have had the, uh, the the awesome pleasure and very grateful to my network to be able to 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 swiftly kind of like you know rise to this position so fast there's a lot of people that work their whole lives before they they feel comfortable first ADing a show and i'm i'm going to be turning 30 this year and you know i've actually been um working professionally for six years here in the bay and and i've been first ading professionally for um for four. So I'm I'm very, very happy to be um already at it, you know, um and and it's one of those things that um you know I I work here in the Bay uh primarily but I do travel for work. Um and I'm willing to travel for anybody listening. I'm willing to travel any and everywhere. So (laughs) if you have jobs abroad and you have budget, I will travel. Uh, but yes, definitely. Um, you know, I I um, I absolutely love the job, and um, you know, I, I'm very, like I said, very fortunate to have been able to uh, be able to start my career as a freelance assistant director here in the Bay Area. It's a beautiful place to work in this industry.
0: So, did you go to film school here um, in San Francisco? Is that why I, you started I in this market? Yes,
2: I did. I went to San Francisco State.
1: Oh, damn, me too.
2: Nice man. Yes, um, Gators, Gators, baby. What's
1: the what is it that you always shout out when San Francisco State comes up? Becca. Oh, bad. But he probably wasn't in Bre- Becca. I don't uh, think.
2: Yeah. So that that's so funny. Yeah, you, the <laughs> Becca department. Now, nah, well, that's cool though, because well, in the in the in the fine arts department, we that's where the cinema department was. But, you know, they also had a, they had a different department, the, the the Becca department for like TV-related TV business. But the thing is, exactly. is that in the film department at San Francisco State, they were going through, real quick, they were going through budget cuts. So if you were smart, you had friends in Becca department because they had the equipment. And in the fine arts department, they were very stingy with letting the film just <laughs> students use equipment. So I always had good friends in Becca. So it's yeah, all that's good. That's cool. So yeah, here. it was like
0: that when I was there too. Like we had um, you know, like twenty editing stations, film had like two. Right. You know. Um we had like, you know, a bunch of digital cameras. You guys only had film when I was there, so right. They only had us um, those
2: old school those old school Bolex
0: cameras, you yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit different. But I mean I, I, I still took some film classes while in the Becca department, so it, it worked out well. Right. Um, but shout out to all SF staters out there. I know there's a lot of you guys. Um Absolutely. So. Um, but yeah, so then you started here, like, here's my first question, because I get this question a lot, um, just going through my life, but why didn't you move to Los Angeles when you uh, graduated from SF State?
2: So um, when I was at State, I I had, I was fortunate enough to take Brian Benson's course. And um, when I was there, I took his producing and financing course, when he asked a really critical question on the first day of his course, he asked everybody, okay, guys, so so who in the class wants to be a director? Literally like every hand shoots up, you know, around me. <laughs> like, and I'm like sitting there with my hand down. And then he asks who wants to, uh, to eventually, you know, work in LA. It's almost like the, <laughs> se- the same amount of hands shoot up on the second question, right? So then he's like, okay, all right, great. Okay, now who wants to do something other than direct? And it's like, I put my hand up, I see my homie AJ who wants to, <laughs> who wants to shoot uh, as a as a cinematographer and a couple other people that I've seen around but I don't know and their hands are up and then he says okay and who wants to still work here in the Bay Area the like same hands shoot up again very few people like a handful literally maybe you can count them on on both hands and it was in a huge class like an overpacked class and and it's one of those things that really struck me because I was like you know. Coming up, uh, it, I I was born in Chicago, raised here in the Bay Area, and you know my, my mom worked for Kodak when when I was very little. When I was born, she was working for Kodak. When I was very little, Kodak migrated her here to California to the and she moved to the Bay Area, and this is where I grew up. Um, and so I've just been really attached to it here. And in growing up here, I've seen that there's a very different attitude. About filmmaking between here and L.A. As far as just how we treat people, um, not to say that I mean, you know, every set is it has the same kind of intensity, and and you need to be as professional as possible, and the urgency is there. But just the one thing that I recognize is that you know you go to certain places like in in and it was different between the Bay. It's different from. New York and LA especially, is that in, in some of these places, you'll go and you'll grow up in the industry there treating people very, very, you know, or or being around folks that are used to being treated very terribly on set by the people at the top. Here in the Bay, I do appreciate that, that we cater to good, positive attitudes, you know, on and off the set, you know, but but to still be able to work as swiftly, as quickly, and as efficiently as crews from any other city, and that is why I I feel like I stayed here, and I and I recognized that early, going through college and after college, and I'm still glad that I'm here.
0: <laughs> wow! But I mean, you must have worked with L.A. crews that are, are cool and not like that, right? Like you well, know, because
2: they, they, yeah, they come up all the time, and we work together all the time. But but that's that's something. It's it's something that I definitely I definitely I I recognize the the you know especially here the folks that come up here they um they do like if you have a terrible attitude and you're known for being fire and brimstone all the time on set i don't feel like you're gonna survive in this town you know trying to to to, right. to be that person you know on set you know and i and i feel like there's a especially for me and it's something that i mean there's you know you still get people you know you still get your assholes on set all the time <laughs> don't get me wrong but it's one <laughs> of those things that you know i i feel like there's that there's a there's a kind of a a cool that comes from the bay area's already really crazy synergetic attitude the, we apply that to the filmmaking here too you know and i really yeah. appreciate that but and but the, the, it is just interesting i only say that because i've had shows in in other crews come in from out of town to the bay area you know that are at the the producers at the top or the directors at the top or or you know the keys at the top and they come in and they end up having to hire local crew and they come in worried that we don't know what we're doing yeah so i'm I'm, yeah. I'm saying this because of the fact that we definitely have you know experienced professionals here in the bay and I don't like when uh, crews from other cities come into the Bay with that attitude. It's very important to recognize that we have as many <laughs> right. awesome people yeah. here as, as that have started here and never left from here as yeah. in any other city like LA, like New York, that, have, that are known for, for, big, for big productions. And it's crazy because now more and more, San Francisco is that city that you need to put in your movie so that right. you can, you know, like and everything's coming through here. Venom was here. Ant-Man and the Wasp was here. Yeah. Uh, you know, San Andreas was, I mean, it was a huge yeah. part. Godzilla is was all here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, yeah. There's so many different parts. One of my favorite movies, Pacific Rim, the opening scene is like a giant monster fight with the, with the Golden Gate Bridge.
3: <laughs> so, you <laughs> yeah. know,
2: it's just, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you see you know, more and more crews recognizing in, in, in professional recognizing the bay is an awesome place to come to film. yeah so, I, so I, can we yeah. talk
1: a little bit about some of the experience of shooting movies in the bay because i do I, it's people who are listening to this who aren't in the <laughs> bay area might not know like some of the movies that i've shot here so Absolutely. what are some of like the give us like 10 movies that you've worked on living in the bay area as a working crew member
2: oh man just just going back in time wow um when i when i first started here one of the craziest movies that I that, that I mean, the, the first big movie that I worked on was Blue Jasmine by Woody Allen that was shot here on location. And, you know, that was an Oscar award winning film. That was amazing. I was I was an office PA on that back in the day. And then um after that, goodness, there was Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was filmed here on location, <laughs> uh, you know, stunts second unit and and first unit. And uh, also, uh, goodness, there was uh, Terminator Genesis was here. San Andreas was here. Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp were both here. Um, And uh, goodness, Venom was just filmed here. Uh, There's a lot of Netflix shows that happen here in the Bay, 13 Reasons Why. An amazing show is filmed here in the Bay. Um, Goodness, they just got, I believe, that the OA was in town for a bit. Uh, what up? Yep, and but but especially feature <laughs> feature wise, there's 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 so many movies that have passed through. Um, last, I want to talk I about had, the
1: one that I'm excited about. Sorry to yeah. bother you.
2: Oh my goodness! Yes, we did. <laughs> well, here we go. I, no. I know it's not a hundred million dollar
1: um, movie, but still, it's like it's an exciting thing. Before we get oh, there, the though,
0: it's, I, I, yeah. want, I want to, it's, We're going to definitely talk about Sorry to Bother You because oh, yeah. Hilton was the second AD on that film. But uh,
2: yes. Definitely, but Sorry to Bother You was here on location. It was mostly it was mostly East Bay too. Sorry to Bother You was primarily shot in the East Bay. If I'm not mistaken, right. it was only shot in the East Bay. If I'm not mistaken, right. And then, um, I mean, last year I had the, the awesome pleasure of working on um, Bumblebee, the new Transformers movie. That was also shot here in the Bay. I mean. The, the, the list goes on and on. Yeah, and on. you worked yeah. on a
1: lot of big movies yeah. that people have heard of. That that's just that was basically my point. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, but the but they're shooting. They're coming through the Bay yeah. Area, right. especially. They're making a special trip through through the Bay Area because they know that here they you get. I mean, you can get so much. There's so much value. There's production value just with the Bay itself. Within an hour of here, you can shoot a movie that looks like it's been worldwide. Because you can be depending on what time of year you can go from the city to the suburbs to the farmland and you can go from the beach to, you know, the desert to the snow all within a few hours of each other. I don't think that there's any other place on earth where you can do that. And that is why the Bay is amazing. Yeah,
0: makes it great for commercials. Cause like, if you need to get like a little, little tiny pieces of all these different looks, then you can do it in one day, basically. Which we did for a commercial I did.
2: (laughs) Indeed, I was just about to say that little run I just told you, I've done exactly that. I've shot from the beach and ended up finishing that shoot in Tahoe you know, but within 48 hours and we shot everywhere and it was meant to look like it was all over the world. And in reality, you see that commercial, it's like, man, that's all day,
0: you know? Wow. That's awesome. But you know, so,
2: it's amazing. Yeah.
0: So going back to what you were saying before about, um, you know, LA people coming to the Bay area and like getting nervous or whatever, we have a a friend of the show who's constantly saying things like, Oh, that's very LA. That's the LA way in, in reference right. to the way that you work on set. And I just wanted to have you speak to that a little bit. Like, I mean, having been, you know, brought up in the Bay and you're a totally professional first AD, you do everything by the book. I mean, do you think there is like this L.A. way that like us, like, you know, lowly Northern California, you know, Bay Area filmmakers need to live up to? Or do you think it's just the way that we all do it? And, you know, it's like either professional or you're not.
2: Well, here's the thing. It's so it's so dif- interesting because I, 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 I have to be very careful, as I say what I said earlier, just because I, I, I want to make sure that it's clear what I mean by that is that you know, I've just, I've had, I'm specifically speaking to those experiences where people have come and I've dealt with someone who was nervous about how professional the crew is. And then leaving the shoot, they're like, oh man, I can't wait to bring, you know, more productions here to the Bay because it's awesome here, you know? And um, so, but the, but the, the, as far as to the speaking especially to the to the LA way versus how how we function here in in the Bay is the the biggest difference that I notice myself is just that there's, there's this, there's this idea of the film industry, which before you start in the film industry, you know, and you're coming, especially people who are flocking to LA flocking, literally flocking actors and, and film crew to start their, their career, you get there, and there's an overwhelming amount of people who are trying to start their career there. But, you know, there's also an overwhelming amount of jobs. And it's, it's one of those things where you can actually start your career there very easily, you know, and as a background actor and find your way into where you're gonna start your career as an actor or as a, as a PA and find your way into what department you wanna work in. But there's an overwhelming um, uh, amount of opportunities there here in the Bay. But, but that, I mean, well, here's the thing. And more with that is, is that it's very easy. People are very expendable in L.A., um, you know. So you you definitely, um, you know, you can fire somebody easily and be very, you know, tyrantish on on set knowing that it'll be very easy to replace that person. <laughs> I feel Good like point. so, so. Right. With, with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, the difference between that and here in the Bay is we don't have a ton of shows that are always constantly shooting. Um, There's not a studio city here. There's not, um, you know, an overwhelming amount. There's this, it gets slow sometimes, you know, sometimes when they're, when they're, you know, doing sweeps and, and, and having their pilot week down in LA, we're completely dead up here. You know, and it's one of those things that that is something that does happen, especially in the winter, especially right after the holiday, after New Year's, between New New Year's and and February, it gets incredibly slow in the Bay Area for work. Not to say that it's completely dead, but it gets slow, you know. Um, So it's one of those things that that being said, I feel like you have to really, here in the Bay, the thing is, is that if you have made it to the point where you are working consistently, professionally, it's because you're very good at what you do. And you have a very strong network and people recognize that you are valuable enough to keep on payroll and keep working. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you are not incredibly good at what you do, that's the one thing that I know is that you will not continue to work here in the bay because there's right. there, you know what I'm saying there's yeah. there's just not enough there there's not the wealth of jobs that there are in other cities to throw around. So with that being said, we cater to those amazing attitudes to those people who are phenomenal at their craft because they bring so much production value to every single shoot. So that's yeah. what I that's what I feel like the difference is because you can be that, oh, I'm just going to yell and, and, and scream on set and whoever it may be, the producer, the director, the AD, <laughs> whoever that person may be. You get those attitudes coming from other, From uh, I feel like more from other cities than the guys that I was raised around here. They, are, gotcha. they have a much different approach because they realize that, yo, these people that I'm screaming at today, I'm going to see those people a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know <laughs> what I mean? So yeah. I needed I need to treat them right so that it, so that when I bring them back on my next shoot, they feel really good about working with me. You know what I'm saying? And not necessarily like they're working for me. It as a as a as a a really good friend of mine um, uh, had mentioned to me one day. I'm not going to say who he was, but because he's so awesome. But he he said it to me as like a warning about the the difficult shoot we were coming off of. He says, "Look, man, I want to be happy when I see you on the call sheet. I I want to be happy to come on to set with you. I don't want to feel like I'm forced to work with. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's the attitude I feel like that's different as far as the you know the LA way and the Bay way, but the method on set is the same." And that's one thing I really appreciate is when these four, these these uh, other other crews do come to the bay, they show up and they recognize. We know how it works. We get movies here all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think to answer Alrick's question, I think probably what when I hear L.A. way and I know who's saying that it it more <laughs> means the union way. Like in L.A., right. unions are strong and there's a hierarchy and there's things that 80s do that they, that's what they do and you don't ask right. an ad to also do the job of a pa or do the job of the first ad shouldn't be doing also the right. job of the second ad so it's more about exactly. the hierarchy and structure of a film set and we definitely understand it here in the bay but i could understand if you've never worked with them and you know the unions are softer in like a a, a secondary market like this when right. you're coming on set you're wondering do they know how to work the way that we work in la
2: exactly so so with with that being said absolutely With that being said like the method is the same, you know, because I definitely was was raised here by ADs that were very cutthroat about, look, I'm bringing you onto this show. It's going to be big. This is Marvel or this is whoever. And look, when they show up, understand how what is expected of you from here on out. Like, you know, so even myself on every show, even the most non-union shows or the most small and indie stuff that I do or the stuff that I'm doing for free, I show up. And we bring that same method to that project because it's so important to maintain the method. Yeah, the comp- you know, yeah, that, from set yeah. to set,
1: it should all it should be the same, whether you're on a union set or a non union set. Right,
2: yeah. you know, and it's it's one of those things where the coolest thing about filmmaking is that the 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 method, you know. We, we block, light, shoot, rehearse, eat, repeat. You know what I'm saying? Like that is the same on every movie and the cool thing is that, or every movie, commercial TV show, the coolest thing about what we do is every project will be different. You'll yeah. never do the same thing twice, right. but you need to know that, how to apply that to everyone. So project.
1: Hilton, can you explain to everyone out there like what an AD does, first AD versus second AD? Can you describe Absolutely. the job? What, yeah. what is their role on set?
2: Absolutely. So the first A.D. especially, um, it's so crazy just to mention the fact is, as I'm saying this, you know, the first A.D. Is, is is in charge of the assistant director's department. He is, you know, in charge of breaking down whatever script that there is that exists on a production because it might be a commercial or a TV show or, or a feature that, that comes with a script. Commercials have scripts too, believe it or not, folks. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you also end up creating the shooting schedule as the first AD that is what you are. That's your baby, you know, and, and, and moving beyond that, you end up having to touch bases with all the departments you'll end up doing, you know, a lot of prep for each project, you know, and meetings and tech scouts and location scouts to, to generate that, uh, shooting schedule and in, you know before you actually start production itself, when you're still in prep, you know, the first AD is pretty much in charge of making sure that schedule is as tight as possible before you land on set. Um, and then, you know, when you do get on set, believe it or not, you know, a lot of the people that don't know that have never been on a set, they, you, you would expect the director to be actually in charge of the run of things, but that's not true. The, the person who controls the set is the first assistant director. Um, that is the essential, essentially the job. And um, what do you it, mean by controls the set? And, but, and, and when I say that is that, you know, at the beginning of the day, the first AD is controlling the run of operations. He's letting everybody know what needs to be done when in keeping the schedule happening. So let, gotcha. you know, as they, they're the, usually the first, besides I have to give us a serious shout out to locations and transfer department. They might be there before the first assistant directors, but usually the ADs are the first ones on set and they have to get the set ready to receive the crew and keep them on track and let them know everything that they need to do as the day goes on. Keep them all in communication with each other, let them know when we need to be prepping, let them know when we need to be shooting and when we need to be moving on. Where we're, where we're going, what's happening at any given time, that is the, the, the assistant director, the, the, the assistant director's department's uh, responsibility in general, but the first assistant director is in charge of that department. And is the main voice that you'll hear on the walkie shouting orders or on a megaphone shouting orders as well when you see the guy on the megaphone in any picture on a on a uh, film set that is definitely an assistant director all Um, right people come on
1: move it along here we go we got 10 minutes
2: exactly that guy is is i okay (laughs) and the quiet
1: little guy in the chair waiting for everything to happen is probably the director
2: is probably the director and, and the, what's interesting <laughs> about that is, is that you know I've, I've worked with a lot of um a lot of really different directors because you see a lot of guys that are the quiet guy in the chair i would i would say that that would be my woody allen experience woody allen is very soft-spoken in the chair kind of guy yeah that's
1: who i was imagining when i said that yeah
2: and then i have other directors that are very proactive people like boots riley very proactive um, people like Danny Boyle. Oh my gosh, Danny Boyle's so awesome. They put a director's <laughs> chair for him on set. He never uses it. I did a, a, a we, every day on set. I made a point to watch Danny Boyle never uses his director chair. So just every director is different. But it's the it's the it's the first assistant director's job to control the set to create a very positive working environment a controlled working environment so that we can get quality shots with the equipment in the crew so that we can get solid performance from the actors so that the director has the ability to direct the 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 the, the, the cast or the talent and, and actually be able to pull that performance out of them. Yeah. And then also the, the assistant director, the department is in is in charge of making sure that we finish within a time frame uh, that is reasonable. That is, that is right on schedule and, you know, without working the crew to death you also want to be, you know, careful about working your crew to death, here in America anyway, because I work with f- foreign crews that don't know anything about that don't work <laughs> <laughs> so, that- so. Let me
1: Let me try summarizing it just really quickly in like a few sentences so the, the first AD's job is to break down a script into a daily schedule and then on set their duty is to manage the crew and keep the production on schedule so you can finish on in a, a timely manner
2: absolutely to execute that schedule execute especially the schedule. because in because that's the that's what the producers are going to expect of you and the director is going to hope that you <laughs> the shoot the, the director is going <laughs> to hope that that schedule can can magically be flexible
1: yeah you and, know, so and uh, <laughs> out there a lot of indie filmmakers the person who's is the ad Ends up being a lot of times as the producer of the project, or sometimes even the director is doing that job. So, and like me. speaking from experience, having done it both ways, I can tell you that having an AD is like the most amazing thing ever, and it makes your life so much better as a director. You can really focus on things, and like you said, like focus on just getting the performance right or making sure the camera's doing what you want it to do, and you're not just like completely hairy trying to figure out all the other logistics that are going on on
2: set. Absolutely. And just to that note really quickly, coming up as a PA, one of the biggest things that, uh, that that made me want to do this for my career, you know, I was working as a PA on all different kinds of stuff. I was working on commercials and TV shows and movies. And um, and then I ended up, I, I, I caught up with some really cool reality producers. <laughs> um, don't get me wrong, reality is awesome, but I spent a lot I, I spent several months working in reality, I did a season of real world I worked with on HGTV shows for a while I did some an episode of catfish and you get to that point where you realize that these shows, certain certain productions, they don't have an assistant director, they'll have like an executive producer, or a field <laughs> right. producer, that is in charge of, the, of keeping people on track, but they're also in charge of a million and one other things. But I always feel like, man, I don't know why there's, you know, in those situations, I felt there's I'm I'm these shoots are lacking what I usually have on like a commercial production or uh, or a uh, a TV or or movie where the assistant director is the driving force that's keeping everybody on track and making sure that everything's happening. So when I saw that in reality, it really pulled me. I, I I pulled me out of reality. I, I like I said. I yeah. I, I I I enjoyed it, but I yeah. I also learned that that's not for me. Yeah. And and you know, and I realized I want to stay in the realm where assistant directors are are always needed. And and that was really the big wake up. Like okay, this is what I want to do. Nice. You know? Yes.
0: So what's the most challenging
2: part of being an AD for you, Hilton? Wow. Um. So, man. For, for myself, you know, it, it's one of those <laughs> things that uh, is managing time and in, in in keeping people in communication because you're, you're also you have to recognize that you're dealing sometimes with different professionals that have come from they have all different backgrounds, they have all different personalities too. So sometimes you'll be on a set. We're not even the actors, like the keys of department are the divas sometimes, you know, and you have to manage those those attitudes, but keep everybody on time. And there's never enough time in a shooting day, you know? So uh, my, my goal is always just to try to get us ahead of time so that we can do more shots throughout the day, but that and making sure everybody's in communication because there's always something that like, oh, you know, I didn't hear about this and didn't know that. And it's like, you want to you spot those issues those red flags before you get on set so that you know that okay these people i need to make sure everybody knows what everybody else is doing so they know whatever whatever what's gonna happen you know 15 minutes to an hour a day ahead of whatever you need to know ahead (laughs) of time you know Just know what's going on. You said
1: there's never enough time on a set. Do you feel that way even on like huge budget movies?
2: Well, uh, I just want to make a point and say that on one of my fa- one of the features that I worked on recently, Notorious Nick, I, I'm really happy to say that we were able to wrap that movie every day under in, within a 10 hour day, which was, you know, we nice. had the ability to shoot a 12 hour <laughs> day, but we were able to, to shoot that in a 10 each day and we banged out so much footage each day Working really fast. There you go.
1: So there's an example of a movie that did have enough time.
2: Yes, yes. You know, <laughs> and and that was the thing. I mean, you know, we and, and then that ended up becoming the goal to save us money to to be able to do more in later weeks in the shoot. You know what I mean? Like by moving at that pace and adjusting the crew to that pace. So um, you know, it's one of those things. But usually, you know a standard day is 12 hours and you're, and you're trying, you're always trying to beat that 12 hour mark if you're on a show with a tight budget. Cause, and then, you know, there's also those other shows that, like I said, there's never enough time, but sometimes you get on a show that has lots of money. So that, that money will create more time. <laughs> and at the 18th hour, you're wish, you'll wish that they had Had less money. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Oh, that's funny. So, Hilton,
1: what was the first time that you ever AD'd on something? What was that project? Okay.
2: So, um, six years ago, um, I was asked to um, first assistant direct a short film called Good Times. Back in 2012, my buddy, uh, Larry Madrigal, he was the director and we went to the college together, and we were just—we were both on our, you know, finishing out of college. And he asked me to uh, first AD for him. I had no idea. Yeah, I was just what... gonna ask.
1: Did you know what that <laughs> meant? <laughs> I
2: had absolutely no idea what I was supposed to do. But he was like, "Yeah, dude. You know, I just—I really need somebody just to be the voice, to telling people what's going on. Like, you know, that's usually what the AD does. At least that's what it says in our textbooks. So, like." You know, if you could be that guy, <laughs> I think that would be great because you already know everybody and, you know, you could keep people on track and make sure they're on the schedule and make sure everybody knows what's going on. And, you know, and, and, and I was like, sure, man. Like, I, I'd love to. I was, at that point in my career, I wanted to, I was very, very heavy into post production and I was doing a lot of editing. So it was weird because he was asking me to do something that was way out of my element. And I was like, man um i've never done this before but it sounds like it's right up my alley and i had the funnest time doing it on his show (laughs) did anybody Um,
1: pull you aside and say like dude look you're not doing it right this is how you should be doing
2: it you 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 don't know what it's crazy i kind of like um i kind of owned it right off the bat (laughs) which is which is i didn't expect that like to kind of happen but it's weird thinking back. I did exactly what the AD is supposed to do on that particular so you're project. Natural. Oh, really? And wow. Yeah. Well, it's, which is weird because I had no idea. I just kind of, you know, I, I, it's weird. I, I, I would, before that, I would be on the set just kind of hanging out doing that anyway, waiting for footage <laughs> so I can go and, and edit it right. but on my homies, on my homies, you know, small projects. I'd be like, yeah, man, you know, I'm, I'll come and just be a, all everything PA to make sure we can get this done quick so I can go cut it up, you know? So, uh, you know, that's that funny. was my, that was yeah. my motivation back in the day. Like, look, <laughs> let me work on you guys. We work with you guys on anything so I can have it to edit, you know? Oh, so, funny. so, so my, my real background actually before, you know, through college and all the way in before college was all in, in post. I really, I, I did a lot of post work, which is interesting because I apply that to my first ADing because I'm very, um, uh, 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 uh I'm very attentive uh and and I care a lot more than most ADs do about continuity um and, and about you know every department making sure that all the elements are uh continuous and everything is there and there's right. a lot of you know times sense. when they, we're, a lot of ADs won't 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 Always, you know, that we're moving so fast that that's not something that they'll stop to pay attention to. Right. But I but do. You trained
1: yourself to, yeah, look for that stuff. Yeah.
2: Because we'll be on set and everybody will see something. I'll be like, wait, that <laughs> you got is a Yeah. Yeah. You know, we need to fix that. So, yeah. So,
1: yeah. after you did that job, were you like immediately like, hey, this might be something I want to do? Or did it take a few more jobs before you realized that you wanted to make a career of this? No.
2: It was about two more years before um, I uh, actually I did another project very shortly after that, um, like a, a very small uh, music video. And then I didn't ad again for like two years, man. Um, oh, wow. Until 2014. And what was like I said, I, that was I had just I graduated in 2012 from 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 college, but before about about I finished the semester early. So at the beginning of 2012 is when I actually started PAing. Um, And I graduated that summer. So, you know, it was crazy, just working in the industry and starting the first two years, it was the first year, actually, I only worked about half the year, I did a bunch of jobs. And then I worked on Blue Jasmine, which was awesome, but I had zero network. And so I finished Blue Jasmine, and it was very difficult to find work after that. Oh, really? <laughs> um, and then for about six months, I, I had a very hard time finding work. I did like some rock shows where I was, you know, like a stagehand, and and and, and I, I I I didn't quit my day job yet at that point. I was, which I was working as at a de- as a desk clerk at a particular place through college. So I was PAing and working as a desk clerk, and then um, that second year. I PA'd through that. And then I started doing a lot of reality. And I uh, let a, a particular producer know that like, yeah, you know, I'm working on a whole bunch of stuff, but I wanna work on more stuff that has an AD. <laughs> Cause I, and I, I told her that specifically, I'd like to AD more stuff because those, those jobs are cool. Cause there's an AD there to, it was so funny because I was so green about how I was saying it, but I was saying it's just like it just feels nicer when there's an AD. <laughs> there's, right. Because I, I did a season on Real World and it was like, it was so awesome. But, you know, in that situation, you're working with very tiny, small field crews that are moving around, you know, that are all working together, but there's there's not room for an AD on a reality project. No, you know right. What it's I mean? more documentary style. Exactly. So, you so- know, I... Yeah, definitely. I
1: was going to ask, was there a movie set that you were on where you saw an AD, like a, an AD with experience working for the first time and you learned something from them or you even just saw them and said, oh, you know what? That's exactly what I've been doing. Like, I guess I'm doing it right.
2: Right. Well, one of my teachers was Brian Benson and he's a local first assistant director. And um, so he, he, right out of school, he pulled me out and put me on set on, a, on several projects and... Um, I saw him on a uh, diary of a teenage girl very closely. I worked as, uh, yeah, uh, uh-huh. as the key set PA on that. And I got to see him work, you know, uh, very awesomely on that movie. Um, and that was, that was, um, you know, that was actually in, uh, 2014 itself. But before that I had worked on several projects with him as a PA. Um, and several other uh, ads too, that in, but that was the one that was that really solidified it. Like this is definitely the route that I want to go, and it's one of those things that okay, cool. all the other all the other departments you can you have to kind of like move out of being a PA to that department to kind of rise. But if you want to be an AD, you can go there straight from being a PA, because that is the ad department okay
1: and then let's talk about apparition what is apparition
2: so the apparition was a movie that we uh is a feature that we shot at the beginning of of uh last year 2017 oh okay um and that was uh actually shot on location at preston castle in uh Ion, california and and it's um it's a horror movie about the crazy events that, that took place there um and uh it was my uh if, if as far as a feature uh, an actual feature that was my first uh, time first aid a project um, like that um, and but but before before that I had uh, I had actually um first assistant uh, directed a a, a mini series called Bartlett which was where I really got my feet wet. Oh, okay but 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 the apparition was there was much more pressure because you know there's there's a big difference between a mini series and the feature you know so the apparition was the first big slap in the face of like okay you know and it was it was crazy how the job came about you know um i and i i uh i i was just there was there's was so much that was happening on that project in in prep and when you're dealing with a place where you're shooting on location like that and you're dealing with the history of the building and the, in the community, there's a, so much that goes into a project like that. It was, it was amazing, nice. but it was a, it was a crazy 17 days. If you can imagine shooting a, a <laughs> right. horror film yeah. about the crazy, you know, because it was, it, it was a there were, there were several murders in this, co- in this castle and we're shooting. A horror film about those murders on location in these places so it was that also like you know say a prayer before you step on set you know? oh, Right. <laughs> yeah. you know uh it was amazing though um and it was it was definitely it was definitely difficult because um it, it, you know you want so much production value from a horror film you know and you want legitimate scares from a horror film you know which is not always easy to do on a low budget
3: you know what <laughs> no, I mean?
1: 17 days what is that what is that roughly like five pages a day six pages
2: a day yes you know That's a and, lot. and and, and a, which can which can grow you know especially as you know the, the, one of the things on that movie is that you know the during production you know how some sometimes things can happen where it's like oh we're here and we realize the story would be better if this happened you know <laughs> sometimes that's something that'll happen. The the, the original script that you began with on day one will be much different than when you finish on the end of production, you know, and um, you end up shooting a lot more material than you ended up originally (laughs) thought or less or less material depending on how quick you're moving, you know? So Um, for like a
1: film like that, like you have 17 days, how many setups per day were you scheduling?
2: So I, myself, I, I, prefer to shoot, um, you know, at least if we could try to get 20 setups done, I feel like we're doing really awesome. Yeah, sometimes there's only time for maybe 15. And at the end of those 15, if you got more time in your day or in each setup, or in each scene, you're able to maybe get some more some more work out of it. But, you know, I feel like on average about, you know, 15 to 20 setups is reasonable within a shooting day. Um, and that's. I think roughly... Alrick and I
1: tried for like 45 on our yeah. on the music video we did last year.
2: <laughs> right, you know that was that's pretty that ambitious. <laughs> sometimes that happens when you're moving quick. And, you know, and the thing is also is you know it just all depends on the situation. It's how fast you're moving um how many cameras that you're running because you can get more shots with with more cameras running right um and but i'm with you uh, i
1: think like 15 to 20 sounds like a it's a good target for yeah and then then an indie film
2: also on a feature you you definitely uh want to try to budget around about six pages a day but it also just depends on your movie because you you have to balance that but you know if you have a huge a huge script and not many days to shoot it, then you know, then your your days are much heavier with the page count. But I feel like a reasonable page count is about six pages a day. Because you never know, there's certain there's certain scenes that I always like to remind people, you'll get a scene that's very tiny, it'll be like a one-eighth a page and says car chase Sue's and that is a 30-day shoot or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's it's important to 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 balance the shoot. And in, in balance the, 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 the scenes and the, the shots. And yeah, right. The amount of work.
1: So for like a movie like Ant-Man, they're not shooting six pages a day, right? Like they're like, it's like a page and a half, three pages a day for like a big movie like that. Do you know? Well, it
2: depends. It depends. It depends because, uh, you know, when I was working on, on Ant-Man and the Wasp, that particular movie, we, we were doing stunts. So, you know, we were shooting you know, very little. Yes. You know, like, you know, in the, in the, in the course of the movie, we would be working a day. We get like maybe five minutes of, of, you know, maybe a lot (laughs) less. you know, sometimes maybe a few seconds of workable footage, just like the flip of a car, you know what I mean? Not,
1: not edited footage. You mean just raw footage that goes to the editor?
2: Right. Exactly. (laughs) And It's just like moments. Sometimes you're just shooting moments. All day long, you're shooting moments the, the the cars come around this corner, this thing flips over or, you know, and it's just literally those five second pieces that are going to be cut into a massive car chase and the car chase will then be like, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe in the movie or something, but Sometimes right, but they spent 30 days shooting Yeah, them. sometimes you're on set for 2 weeks literally getting maybe you know 15 seconds of footage a day, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 right. incredibly crazy how much goes into it I guess it. my
1: the point is to compare these two is that on an indie level if you're trying to aim for something that has like kind of this Marvel feel it's very hard to achieve if all you have is like 17 days to shoot your film when they spend exactly. 17 days just on B unit cap capturing stuff for a car chase scene
2: Exactly Exactly <laughs> and it's and that's why it's so I, I really do. Uh, I appreciate indie films and I appreciate low budget films and being able to pull out so much production value on, in on, on such a low budget, you know, and, and to uh, achieve, you, you get some of these movies that are those gems. It's like, how did they do that on such a low budget, you know, and still, you know, be able to, 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 to match the, the blockbuster movie experience, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's the trick, isn't it? It's like, it's, to, to figure out a way to achieve that with the very limited resources and the, the people I feel like that go on to make it are the ones that figure that right. out. Right,
2: and, and I feel like it's incredibly important to be honest um, with yourself going into development before you even start prep. When you're going into development and you're looking at the scope of your project, you need to be very honest about the capability of your production because you don't want to get there on set and show up and be trying to make a movie that is impossible to make under the circumstances.
1: Hmm, that you're I in. wish I would have met you in 2012. Could have used that <laughs> advice.
2: <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, like that, <laughs> but that's real. That's real. Cause you no, know, it's totally, you, yeah, you'll show up and, and I'll, and sometimes you'll have, you know, you, you might have somebody that's like, okay, well we want this, you know, a director, or producer that may be like, we want this out of the movie and we want it in this amount of time. And then you'll have like somebody like a production designer that's like, that's, you know, fucking impossible today. Like, we can't do that. We can't create that on the spot or we, we don't have the time to, you know, just to be realistic about time and the capability and what we have and, you know, to use your resources incredibly wisely when you're on an indie feature, you do not have a bottomless, you know, pit of money that you're digging into like these big budget features that are like, oh, we can shoot. 18 hours and if we mess this up we can do this stunt a bunch of times we got 12 more cars that look just like it we can flip it over as many times till we get it you know like you know that's not yeah. that's not the case sometimes you're on set and you got one blood gap <laughs> okay yeah and it it needs to work in this shot so we rehearsed it 12 times so that when we do it it's gonna be right you know and god forbid yeah. it doesn't work you know yeah <laughs> yeah
0: so after you finished the apparition, that was your first feature film thing. Did you go back and were you doing other jobs? Were you PAing? Were you doing a second assistant director roles after that?
2: Yeah, so so I, I definitely do. I, I I do work in all parts of the assistant director department. So I I do second AD. So after after apparition, I went into uh, second ADing. My my next big project was second ADing on Sorry to Bother You. But I also I first assistant direct uh, a lot most of my money comes from first assistant directing on commercials so i do a lot of commercial and corporate projects between movies um and um if there is a big movie like ant-man and the wasp and um and like transformers which i had that was one of my favorite projects to work last year as a dream to, to, to work on transformers i'll still go in pa if if i have the time and i'm not working on something where i'm first assistant directing and there's a big show that wants me and i can and i can take a couple days and go do that yes i will go PA on on a big project like i love that. it
1: it's not beneath you, you.
2: Know? no it's not i mean but you know that's only because i'm still non-union right so once i become union that's no longer a thing that i can do right but while right. i'm still non-union that's a that's a thing that i can do for now so i do and i it's awesome. Yeah, when you, it's a when great you get, experience
1: yeah. too, just oh, to be yeah. around that that kind of stuff and see how it's done.
2: Right. But I, so,
1: what do you get out
0: of paing on a big movie like that? Like, what's the benefit for you? Is it just fun, or do you do you learn lots of things well, in those for, experiences?
2: For, for me, it's that you get to work with these bigger crews that that are coming from all over the world and and big in big projects. You know, like you know the 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 you know usually will not. Get the opportunity to do so in other you know in other uh, situations. So you know, like I got you know i I got the the pleasure to to work on, like I said, like Transformers, and there's so many guys that have worked on the other Transformers movies that have come from other projects, and it's it's good to network. It's incredibly good to network. and that is like that's the only reason that I do it still that I'll go and PA on a big show. And usually the thing is, I mean, I can't lately just because I'm too busy first aiding stuff. Now, you'll get to that point where you don't have time. You know, um, there's there's always it's funny, because my name is still on a bunch of PA lists from when I first started. Right, so people right. people still call me like, hey, I'm looking for PAs. And it's like, unfortunately, I'm first ADing this movie, so I can't make it. <laughs> um, you know? Yeah,
0: so, I, st- I still get those too because I'm on Naranahan's NorCal PA lists. Right, um, right. I've been t- trying to get off at, for years. year. Like, I t- called Tim and Callan like twice and be like, dudes, <laughs> take me off. And then I still they're get like,
1: nope. calls f- from people. <laughs> nope, right. they're like, all right, right, <laughs> right. eventually you're going to want this again. You'll see, uh, you you'll name, see.
2: Your name is written in blood. <laughs> Bro, it's never going away i guess so (laughs)
3: um
0: so yeah man i mean i'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this sorry to bother you comes out this friday i think in la and then next friday everywhere so let's talk about this movie man how did you get involved what was your role tell us the whole deal so
2: um sorry to bother you i I can't say enough um, awesome things about this movie it's just so awesome i i encourage everybody even if you're like skeptical like just go see it give sorry to bother you a chance and i guarantee you'll come out with your mind completely blown um so uh my my uh once again this guy you could tell that he's i he's like my film dad he's an awesome amazing person brian benson um he was one of my teachers at school he's one of the first uh one of the local first assistant directors who, who is amazing um he's done uh, and he also produces quite a bit he's an amazing amazing filmmaker um in so many different realms uh but he was the first assistant director of sorry to bother you and um brian who like i said he's kind of you know uh, uh, helped help to kind of you know groom me as a first ad um he he gave me a call last year and he was like hey i'm working on this movie with uh the sky boots riley um and you know i was wondering if you were going to be available i'd love to have you as a second ad and at the time here's the thing what's weird they always say that like you hear things like in threes right and <laughs> like i had at this point in my life believe it or not i had never heard of Boots Riley. Like before Brian called me, right? Oh, so, really?
0: Yes, oh man,
2: I had never no, no heard the coup,
0: no, no none of
2: his rap like, stuff. Like it oh, was man. like you know, and it was like really crazy because he's a movement by himself. He's a movement. The coup yeah. is a movement. They've yeah. been around forever, and I and it's crazy. So like. After this day, like I've been exposed to this entire movement, it's crazy. Like I fell in love with their music too. Like it's right up my alley. It's it's just incredible. It's crazy how that happened. But like you know, he, I read the script, and um, it and then I realized I'm like all my friends know this guy Boots Riley. I don't know how I haven't heard of him or met him before this moment, you know. And it was just it was crazy. But after that, I was like, oh, i reading the script. You, you come out of it with like, this is we're going to shoot this here in the Bay and like in, in Oakland. Like <laughs> and I was like, absolutely, I, I could not wait to start production. And in um, and the, the uh, it, it was just from there, it was amazing. It was it was it was it was crazy just to to be on that movie as a second assistant director. It was phenomenal. I'm very grateful to Brian Benson for bringing me onto that project
0: so what was your um day to day role as a second assistant director on the film so
2: oh boy that's a that's a heavy one that's a heavy one for i feel like and it, because it's important to recognize that the the first a d is in charge of running the set, creating the schedule and and being the voice you know um And, you know, it's usually like what the first AD says goes. It'll be crazy. You'll hear sometimes like somebody, you know, at the top or a director or producer asking for something. Sometimes the crew won't move until they hear the the first AD say it. You know what I mean? Um, So the second AD, with that being said, the second AD, I feel like the amount of jobs and roles is maybe three times as massive for the second AD because uh they are they are in charge of so much uh uh and and they're the they're behind the scenes there's so much happening but off the set behind the set on base camp there's so many other things that are happening that the second ad is in charge of so um you know as far as running the base camp and at base camp you have that is where you'll you'll have the cast trailers you'll have hair and makeup trailers and wardrobe trailers and This is where the cast and everybody gets ready for the day. Sometimes we'll have some working trucks stashed there too. Um, but that is where base camp is. That's where all the magic happens, you know, on these movies. And, um, uh, so, is the second AD
1: kind of in charge of like running the behind-the-scenes stuff, like getting people into hair and makeup and wardrobe, and yes, making so, sure so, that they're ready for the scene that they're about to shoot, and signing contracts and all that stuff.
2: So, especially on set, the 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 second AD is in charge of, like I said, running base camp. But at base camp, so many things are happening in the production office, in the, which is like the second AD's like throne. So they they're from that place they are managing the cast they are creating call sheets okay. and flying them back and forth to the to the set each day they're coordinating call times between the different departments mm. for the call sheet they're calculating prep times with the first AD for the next day to get them through hair and makeup and costumes while at the same time getting the cast currently through <laughs> hair makeup and wardrobe
1: yeah.
3: Gotcha. Um, I thought
2: all the call sheet
1: it, stuff and call times is like the production manager. No,
2: no, um, that is an increase. So that it would be for um, <laughs> that's incorrect. Yeah, I mean, wait, the, wait, the, wait, it shows wait. you how <laughs> much <laughs> I know about <laughs> right. this. Wait, no, no, no. wait, 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 You know what's crazy is I say it like that because I legit had a line producer that I had an argument with. This <laughs> 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 and I, and I was, I was on this crazy shoot with a foreign crew. And the line producer was arguing with me about who needed to do the call sheet. Because I was like, I'm not going to do it because I'm the first AD. I'm not doing it. But somebody's got to do it. And they were like, well, that's an AD department thing. right? And I'm like, well, on this production, it's your job, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, was the, which was the production manager, and the production coordinator, because that was a corporate job. But on okay, on a sorry, feature, sorry to
1: interrupt you. Please keep going not, on the second AD duties because I want to learn all this stuff. It's
2: really important that I that I say it like this because on a feature, it's different. the The second AD is in charge of creating the call sheet, making sure that it's perfect, and and sending prelims back and forth to set to the first AD, who then looks at it you know, corroborates it with the schedule, make sure makes sure that it's that it's going to work, sends it back to the second AD who then fix it to make sure that it looks right so that when it goes out to the crew, the plan will work correctly. So the sec- on on, on, a, on a feature set, that is the duty of the second AD who then will send it to the UPM or the production office or the coordinator or production manager who's going to destroy it to the crew. But it is created in the AD department. Okay. So the
0: AD, they don't ever distribute it? Because I've worked on a couple features where the AD team did distribute the call sheet as well as generate
2: it. So I am so glad you asked this because I'm so glad I get to say that. I get to say this for the record, y'all, because I, I had a couple of productions where they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this for the record. This is how it's supposed to work. The AD department creates the call sheet. We get everything cor- ready for, you know, we, we actually create the Excel doc, make the PDF the way that it's supposed to work is that that gets then sent to the production office where the production coordinator or the APOC, the assistant production coordinator distrib- distributes it to each person in the crew. That is the method that is supposed to work. However, there'll be sometimes you'll be on a smaller project where the or, or you know, so where something where you know, just just not a huge budget project. Sometimes the second AD will send the call sheets directly. Um, that also happens, but especially the 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 reason why the second AD should not be distributing the the call sheets to the entire crew is because it's another duty of the second AD to distribute those individually to the cast with the special notes for what each cast member is supposed to do the next day. And it's hard to do that while you're sending it to the whole crew. Somebody else needs to do that. So and the
1: notes to the cast would be kind of like what scenes and what pages you're shooting. So they can prepare for it. So, you know,
2: as a second AD, you'll, you'll send a, each, each night for the next day, you'll send an email. And sometimes for like the next week, if you have somebody traveling in or whatever, you'll send an email, Hey, what's going on? This is, so and so AD, second ad excuse me you know and i'm just letting you know this is your call time this is the time that the driver will be waiting for you i'm sending you you know you have sides attached to this message so that you can see what you're going to actually be shooting tomorrow there's a call sheet so you know what's going on there's always an email prompt you know and you want it to be as, as professional as possible when when you're dealing with talent and you and you're always going to end up CCing some agent. so you need to make sure it's as clear and professional <laughs> as possible. Don't so, don't misspell anybody's name. You know what I mean? Like seriously, yeah. you want to make sure that it's as tight as possible. But you are those are not mass emails. When you're dealing with with SAG cast, right. you need to cater to each individually. So that gotcha. is why that gotcha. second ad should not also be in charge of anything that's not in the second ad's realm. It should not be his job because right. they just have they are too busy. You
3: know? Yeah.
0: And so, <laughs> gotcha. and so the second ADs, so the, for the, the cast, it's all SAG casts. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter how big or small the role is. You have to send that private email to the SAG yeah,
2: uh, to, actor to the SAG actors and non and to non union actors as well, you know, whoever okay. you may have, you know, but it's not but, background, but not, background but not the, well, well, that's the thing And see, yeah, the, the, the extras casting folks should be handling the actual emails to the background. So the second AD, while they are preparing the, the call sheet to send to all these people, the only ones that they should particularly be worried about are the cast because you don't, as a second AD, you cannot afford to fuck that up. Right. You cannot afford to, 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 to be the one that, you know, they sent uh, an actor the wrong call time. And you're in this 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 you know sunrise shot and they're not there and ready. So it's important that you right. that you give them all their due diligence. And then last question about
0: this call sheet stuff: the maps to location is that all just the locations department, and then the production coordinator has to collect that from the yeah, the, the locations yeah. person?
2: That's something that would come from locations, or or it would come to the second AD if the second AD is sending them. It just whoever is sending them that locations would send that map to that person. So sometimes it'll send, I'm saying this, especially because if he's listening, my favorite second AD Dominic Martin, he has definitely had to do that, where he was sending the call sheets as a second AD. Right. So um, <laughs> that's definitely a thing that happens a lot, and they'll collect that the the locations, maps, the call sheets, the sides. See, so, Eric, this um, is not the LA
1: call. way. This is what we're talking about. Like, yeah, right.
3: right. <laughs> but, but
0: but I mean, but but Hilton was saying that you know he prefers to do it the way where it's just the second AD sending to the you know production coordinator. Yeah. But what I will say about the LA way, I bet you a million fucking dollars <laughs> that there's lots of. Productions in LA not doing it that way because they don't have a lot of money and they don't have oh, yeah. an APOC or oh, a POC yeah. even. Oh, you no, know, we're just talking so, about
1: Marvel level movies. Right, That's, I don't I, know. Yeah, right.
0: Well, I, I mean, we'll, Ed's gonna love this episode. On, on <laughs> he's this, gonna get so mad
1: at us. No, he's not. <laughs> one,
2: one thing I can say. One thing I can say is that at a high budget level, you're you're dealing with these productions where it's very niche specific. You are in charge of your specific responsibility. Do not you know stray from that make sure that you're there when someone calls you for that you know on a smaller movie you end up getting you absorb so many responsibilities and you know right you, everyone
1: starts wearing multiple hats just Yeah to get it done.
2: yeah definitely and you know I uh, sorry to bother you was not a huge budget production but it was it was so well and carefully planned that it, it, it was we were able to pull so much production value out of every single day yeah organization um, is
1: key if you're gonna if it, you're gonna succeed it is, at
2: this right it is so key and luckily i i mean i had a lot of hats on on that movie but i i i was still the uh you know the privilege of of not having to do too many other responsibilities outside of that which was required of a second AD on sorry to bother. Okay,
1: I have a naive question about the AD yeah. department. Is there any other ADs besides first and second? Are there third, fourth, fifth, sixth?
2: So sometimes there'll be, um, sometimes there is an additional of any of those. There'll be maybe an additional second or additional first AD. There's um, also a second, second AD which is the third of those. <laughs> which is the, th- the third big one is a second, second AD. And it's it definite. sounds really weird because sometimes it does sound th- weird. There's there's places in the country that call this the third AD, but I was raised here in the Bay and in, mo- in all the productions I've ever worked on, it's always the second, second. I've never worked with a third AD yeah. yet, hmm, but the me, second, me <laughs> second, the second, second, aid, uh, assistant director, on a feature especially is incredibly essential because they're there as like the, they're like the, 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 the right hand man, whereas the second AD you think that that is the right hand man, but the second AD is actually like all in charge of base camp sometimes usually really far They're They're there right. as they got their own the world
1: to take care of.
2: Yes. Whereas the second second is there on set with the first AD while the first AD is dealing with all the keys the second ad the second second ad is there all like helping to make sure that the the orders that are going out are are being communicated to everybody making uh, sure that the gotcha. back, making sure that the background actors especially are all coordinated with the with the main action so while you're working with the director and the dp like okay this is what's happening with primary talent the the first ad is 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 working with those people the second ad he's communicating to the second second um and telling him Hey, okay, so I need the background to come here and do this around this main action, so get that together while I'm doing this main, you know what I mean and and it's yeah to make sure that everything's happening, so the second second is usually keeping the gears turning um with the with the background actors in any other part of the set as like an extension of the first city to make sure that things are happening,
1: yeah, that's cool, yeah, you know? I would call them instead of second second, how about? The first assistant director, assistant director. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
2: But, but yeah, sometimes the cool AD. thing is you want, <laughs> but you want a second second that can function as a first because what I'll do a lot of times is like, okay, I need you to skip ahead and go to, to get the next set ready to go. Or I need you to run this set while I go and do something with main unit. You need to go and shoot something with splinter unit. So that person does need to be able to cover the set. So, man, look, ADs very seldom used to get to use the restroom. Your second second (laughs) needs to be able to cover that set as a first as well. So that person is while they're kind of like your assistant, they're also like your right hand man. So, like, I feel like the second second and first AD's relationship needs to be very, very tight. You know, cause that's, that's cool while you're the, while you're the, you're the bulldog of the shoot, just really quick. You're the bulldog of the shoot as the first AD anyway, but your second, second needs to be your enforcer, which is like a huge deal, you know, to, to make yeah. sure that that's happening every day. So
0: on, sorry to bother you. What was one of the biggest challenges of that movie? Oh, wow.
2: Um, for me, myself, especially, because here's the thing for, I didn't, it's crazy working on that movie. And when I see it on, on, on the screen, it's so different my experience. My experience was inside my trailer, in my, in my office, you know, prepping call sheets, keeping actors happy, running in between trailers, making sure that everything's happening between hair and makeup and wardrobe and cast trailers and everybody's going through the works and they're ready on time. The biggest thing and hardest thing was coordinating the massive amount of cast that we had each day and it was just like oh my god who do we have today terry cruz and danny Lover right. and steven <laughs> no, yun and 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 you know and, and and it's just like you know it's just it was crazy it was very crazy and and it was it was just like every day there's just a new personality that would be showing up like you know and it's it would be crazy <laughs> cuz you get these people that are coming from other places that's like whoa like you know we'll have we had tessa thompson Who was between Sorry to Bother You and Thor? She was between both sets, which you can imagine is crazy. crazy. She looks completely different in each movie. Okay, but she's between each set. And then you have, you know, um, Keith Stanfield. He's coming to and from Atlanta. You know what I mean? And then, oh yeah, don't forget that Tesla's also working on Westworld, too. Yeah, at the same time. And then then you got (laughs) Terry Crews that's coming in, that came into our set and was like coming to and from Deadpool. Which I, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> was like insane. Wow. And then, you know, it's, and that was the thing is like, okay, you need to bring them in, get them ready for our movie, you know, get make sure that everything is happening here. But they also, believe it or not, it's crazy working with other productions. Like we need to send them back and her you know this person's hair needs to be a certain way or their face needs, you wow. know so that you when need they to send them back the way they came basically exactly wow. either that or or they or they need to come to us ready for our production you know what i'm saying so when they finish there they need to look you know and that's a huge thing wow if you can wow. imagine especially for a lady like like tessa because she's got all these different looks yep. in every movie that she does and our look is like i said very dis- distinguishedly different from all, every other movie yeah you know and um and then also like Keith, like in our movie, he he's you know, you, you see him in Atlanta. That his his tattoos are real. You know what I mean? So if you can imagine right, we're right. working in a movie where we're doing tattoo cover up and adding a wig for him oh, every day. You know, wow, so crazy. you you'd think that it wouldn't it wouldn't take us forever to, to be prepping in base camp, but base camp on Sorry to Bother You was insane. It was always always something crazy happening or something new happening. Not to me- I, I, there, there's so many things I want to talk to you about on Sorry to Bother You, but literally it's dropping this week and. In a week, I could talk more about some of the crazy things in the movie. I can't <laughs> right, right now right. you don't want to spoil it. I don't because what's going to happen is at the end of this week, people are going to be talking about how this movie turned their world upside down. Um, and, <laughs> and, and you know, but just just as a side note, there was there was really awesome days. I got to work with this with the uh, special effects crew and um, uh, they, they worked on Alien um, and the, and the guys that are that are actually oh, you know that dope. That, 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 that do the, um, the actual, the, the guy in the suit, the guys that are in the alien suit. <laughs> so there's some cool things, oh, cool. you know, um, and sorry to bother you that are, that are unexpected and, and amazing and phenomenal. And it was very incredible to work with, uh, all these different talent. Oh, another awesome guy, uh, Eric Jacobus. I just want to shout out Eric Jacobus, one of our stunt coordinators, because he is, oh, yeah. when you put. He's our stunt coordinator on Sorry to Bother You. Loved every day he was on set because he's also, when you play God of War, you are eric okay <laughs> that he is kratos you know what i oh, mean is he, so oh is he oh is he the motion capture for kratos the motion capture for kratos i
0: didn't know that i yeah, know eric that's awesome shout out to eric that's shout so out to cool, eric man. i
2: just really just because that guy that's is so dope. amazing i just wanted a special shout out to him
0: i just beat god of war and yes. uh yeah that's an awesome game and wow i did not know that i was <laughs> playing eric <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah is that so crazy what a i trick. freaked out by the way when he told me that i that's lost it. Funny. like yeah so
0: wow you know you that's another these... guy we got to get on the show what, a, yes, what an amazing yeah, guy yes, he yes. Is. please bring, bring in goodness.
2: eric oh yeah and uh, but you know but that was the thing is you know of all all that talent you know they come in they flood in through that movie and it's it's it was just amazing um just to see them all and Luckily, I got to work with uh, Lakeith Stanfield for the second time on Sorry to Bother You. And I got to work with Danny Glover for the second time on Sorry to Bother You.
0: Oh, really? So, what did you work with Lakeith on before that?
2: Um, it was on a, a feature called Quest that I was the second, oh, okay. second assistant director, which is actually going through the film festival circuit now. And it's doing amazing. Oh, nice. Quest is a awesome. phenomenal movie. Um, and, yeah, Lakeith is awesome. He's, he is quite a character. Um, so you know.
0: really quickly, let's just run down. So you, you named most of the actors, Danny Glover, Terry Crews, Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, yeah. but also Army Hammer, Stephen Ewan. Yes. Are, anyone else major
2: in this movie? Oh, goodness. Army Hammer... Gosh, I can't say enough <laughs> awesome things about. Well, I mean,
0: he's a huge he's a huge star. That guy, I
2: mean, oh, you know, Army Lone Ranger. So, so <laughs> Army 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 is just ah, uh, I I would I could talk for hours about just Army because he's so cool in communicating with Army before he even landed on set. I was like, this guy's going to be like my best friend. Like it was <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes, sometimes you'll communicate with actors and their, a- a- their agents will answer for them and they're very professional. Other times, sometimes the cast will answer and they're very professional. Sometimes the cast will answer and they're very, very, very real. And army was one of those people. that was so real every day, oh, that's um, funny. you know, and I appreciated that. And he was such a bro. He's the big And, and um, you know, I just, I appreciate him. The one thing is that I appreciate when Cass um, treats the crew like people, you know, they're people, too. But sometimes these people are coming from being treated, you know, like a prince or or a princess from where they come from. And sometimes a lot of people just want to be treated like people Um, and army. Was one of those people that he, he made me he made my job very easy because you know we had a very a cool relationship on set and him yes. everybody though but you know of all those folks also i can say terry cruz man ah terry cruz changed my life i only worked with him for like two days but terry, terry cruz changed my life working with him <laughs> just because he's so amazingly positive that's awesome um and and just incredibly inspirational um but uh you know also Big shout out to to Omari Hardwick. Omari Hardwick was also one of the people. He's the lead actor on the show Power and Omari Hardwick Oh, cool. Is, nice. Yes, and he came through the set. He plays an incredibly awesome role in the movie. Um and and they're like I just so like I said, I can the more I think about it, the more people that popped up. You know what I mean? Um and uh, uh W. Camus Bell, he just he has a Netflix series that just oh that just wow, came out. so he was
0: in it too. Damn man, he
2: was in it too. There's also <laughs> there's some voice <laughs> actors. There's some voice actors that, that never touched the set that are oh, phenomenal. That yeah, are in David the, that Cross, are, right? Exactly. You know the the, <laughs> the and it was just that movie. Beyond it being the, the coolest thing about that movie is the story is phenomenal, but the amount of of cast that they used to make the story. It's just so much talent that was a part of that project. I cannot believe it. That's gonna be one of those ones that way in the future, people are going to be like, yeah, you, and you worked on Sorry to Bother You, crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, you know, right, right, seriously, right. you know, cause so many people did. So, many so, people. so last thing
0: on this, I'm sure Timothy might have some more questions, but what I wanted to ask was, you know, a lot of our listeners um, have are probably you know maybe they've worked with a couple of celebrities or maybe they're going to work with a celebrity soon or you know that's definitely going to come up in their careers in the future. Um, do you have any advice for for the listeners on like how to you know deal with that you know and how to you know approach these big big heavyweight actors?
2: Absolutely. Um, you know, it's biggest thing for me, especially, is that I like to treat them like people, but y- you also it's like that you, you're if whatever customer service experience that you've ever had. And if you have had none, then this is for you. You need to get some before you go and deal <laughs> with cast. Do That's not funny. just come up to cast talking to cast any old kind of way. Okay. Um, you don't just run up to cast telling them what they need to do. You need to rec- you just, it's, it's interesting. Just how you deal with cast is very important, you know? Um, And and just being as professional as possible, being clear, making sure that you're clear because you do not want to mislead cast. But main thing is being professional and and, you know, making them feel comfortable. But more than that is also making them, you know, feel, especially like the, the really big name folks, making them feel like, you know, like they can focus, giving them room to be able to focus on their work. Um, I, I've worked with a lot of method actors like literally I handed them the sides or the script and they became that person. or they stayed in character the whole shoot. And it's important just to cater to their different to their different um, needs and wants. It's very, very important to do that for each cast member to, 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 to cater to what their requests are. but also, you know like I said, just to give them space um and of course god for the love of god do not ask for any pictures or anything like that if you're the person that's just, you know what i mean dude you know un- unless can, I get, can I get a selfie real quick unless yeah i mean you know what's crazy is that there, i've worked with so many actors that it they are so cool with me taking a picture but i'm like usually terrified to ask because for me it's the experience of like dude I don't need a picture with you. You and me worked on this project where our names are going to be on this together forever. You don't always need a picture. Sometimes right, it's cool, right. but stay in the professional zone. You don't need photos. You know, keep it, keep it in your mind. Right. Stay focused. You know, that's the biggest thing is that you know don't make them feel like you're a fan. Right. You know, even if you are, you know, and that's the thing. I I've worked legit with like actors. They're like, oh my god, I you're my hero. You know what I mean? But like, you know, don't freak out. Like, that's how it was with Omari Hardwick. I love that guy. He shows up on set and it's like, I'm telling you what time you got to be here and stuff. You're texting me in my phone. I'm like, I was like looking at my my ex-girlfriend at the time. I was like, babe, Omari Hardwick just texted me. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's just, it's like, it's it's crazy just because, you know, but more than anything, you want to really just in the midst of the craziness you want to keep it level head and make sure that those people feel like they're in a calm, collective environment. Yeah,
0: so treat them like people, be clear, be professional, yes. uh, give them space. And no stay selfies. cool, man. Stay cool. Exactly, <laughs> yes.
2: Space, more space is always good. Don't be so far that you can't hear them calling though, okay? <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I, I have to run to work, so I I have a qu- a wrap up question. Okay, but yeah. I can leave, and you can just keep going if you want.
0: Okay, I might I might keep them for ten more minutes. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. I've I've got plenty of time. I feel
1: like, I'm, or I'm curious to know which you, where you see the Bay Area filmmaking community going because it's interesting that you started on Blue Jasmine because I feel like that was like a, a a renaissance of like a revival of the Bay Area filmmaking scene. Um, and it started with outsiders coming in and shooting movies here, but now we're starting to see some local filmmakers kind of rise to the top. You have, you know, Ryan Kugler and Boots Riley now, and Ulrich right. Purcell is on their heels. And I'm curious right. to know, like, do you see like something happening in the Bay Area, or is this just kind of like the same? It's it just, it's always been this way. I mean, where do you, where do you hope it's going, and where do you think it's going?
2: So, at, at the moment, it's incredibly awesome to, to to be here in a part of the Bay growth at, at this particular point in time. What I feel like is happening because there's so many things that there's so many, there's always been this talk of like, who's going to build a studio here? <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah, right. a big thing. Like, <laughs> right. I don't know if you guys remember several years back, the Wayne brothers were, were, were thinking about yeah. building so, Do you guys yeah. remember that? I so heard that about was, that. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and then I've, I keep hearing things like, well, what is, is Netflix going to knock down candlestick, build a studio there? So there's, some there, there's we're already we're a location we're an on location area you know there's there are studios here but there's not huge studios here um so people come here to shoot on location a lot once one of these big production companies decides to to create a a, a large studio stu- city here not only is it just gonna just keep a lot of jobs flowing through um but it's just gonna solidify more that you know that that, that the bay is an awesome place to come to to shoot and 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 is an awesome place for film and video production it's just it's it's one of those things that i feel like also there's all the way i mean going back so so many years like you know to to crazy movies back in the day like you know with hitchcock like you know vertigo and and, and and Dirty Harry, like there's like iconic films that have been shot here over the years, j- especially just so that you can get that Golden Gate Bridge in the back of your of your shot. <laughs>
3: right. Um, but what about know? like
1: and, local filmmakers that I don't feel like we have a ton of examples of people that grew up in the Bay Area and then. Kind of made it out into the Hollywood system, and and Whoa. I'm not saying made it out like you have to escape here. I'm just saying you know like that's like yeah. the filmmaker's dream. Go go to Sundance, win Sundance, and then you're directing a Marvel movie. Like that doesn't happen to a lot of people from the Bay Area. Do you think it's about to? Do you think what we're we're about to see a shift, or is it just naturally in the course of filmmaking time? People from all over the country are going to kind of hit big.
2: Well, like I said, as well, what will change a lot? It's a, it's a complicated question, but I'm going to here's what I, I, I totally see what you're saying here. And um, if the bigger uh, companies that can that can bring more work and bring more studio work, especially I'm talking about it's more studio work beyond the on location work, it'll it'll create the like I said, the, the, the kind of flood of jobs that you see in L.A. and New York on the on. on and the wealth of projects that are always being shot there, because we have dead zones here, where it's like, there's no show shooting in town, or there's no movies in town. So it's one of those things that I can definitely say that, yes, here in the Bay, it's definitely becoming evident that we have talent. We have talent that is, that is rising in, in, in training and being molded here in the Bay and coming up. And it's definitely a great place to start your career, and I definitely feel like we will see more and more talent coming out of the Bay um, with new first-time directors. Um, you know, and, and especially like you know, with my recent experience with Last Black Man, you know, definitely. Um, and and with Boots Riley, Boots Riley was like already on the scene as a musician, but he's making his breakout as a director right now, and he's yeah. doing phenomenal. Ryan Coogler is now one of the directors of one of the most successful movies of all time. And that came out of, he came out of the bay. <laughs> I just want to say that, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, right. Um, right. so, you know, it's one of those things that I feel like it's very, very evident that yes, here, especially here, we have a very, very, particular method
3: mm-hmm.
2: but yes but 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 the film It sounds like f-
1: what you think we're missing is just more opportunities to get people like around bigger sets to see how it's done
2: exactly i mean just in and that is simply because you know we don't have paramount universal all these other big entities housed here netflix they don't have a studio like a large studio here where there's constantly something being worked on um, and right. there's that makes sense. Uh, unfortunately, that's the case, but you know, there are those times when you know a show will come in and be here for several months, like Chance was shooting here for like nine months. Uh, the 13 Reasons shoots up in Vallejo, they shoot all the time, you know. But that's one show, you know, you can't there's only so they can only have one key, they can only have so many, you know what I mean. And you'll float through these different shows, but we need we need more, we want even more we need even more work here. Yeah. Um, you know, so that we can have, you know, five or six shows running at the same time, five or six movies that are shooting at the same time. And sometimes it gets busy like that. And and when it get and when it does, um, the, this, the situation happens where then they're they're bringing in crew from out of town because all everybody's working and nobody you can't find anybody to staff your show up. So it's important right. that we that we have um, a consistent amount of 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 high and low level productions coming through um you know consistent yeah. consistency is the key though
0: okay hilton so i'm not going to keep you for too much longer but i just we have to talk about last black man just at least a little bit
3: yeah um
0: absolutely. So, so for people who don't know can you just tell us about this movie and your experience, you know, working on it and getting getting the project and all that stuff?
2: Right. So um Last Black Man, it was an incredible project to work on. Um and it it was just the, the crazy thing about Last Black Man is it it'd been in development for so many years before it got off the ground. Um they they had been working on it um, for a long time. Uh first time director Joe Talbot he actually, you know, started working on this project years ago with, with a short film called American Paradise. And um, and then a lot of the characters from American Paradise kind of fueled the idea for this movie, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, and, and they had been working on it for like five years, you know, before, it, yeah, you know, they long really time. long time, you know, trying to get the project off the ground and, Making sure that they were doing it right, and um, you know, it was it was indie for a long time. It was a very in, indie project before it got picked up by Plan B and A24, which changed the entire game for that project. So, absolutely, um, yes, you know, and that was an amazing uh, thing to happen, and I'm so um, you know uh, proud of them um, that they were able to do that because it definitely it, it they were they were trying to work you know to to get started without that support and they were going to you know and i'm so glad that they secured that that you know that support and it took the the movie to the level that it needed to go production wise to really achieve the, the vision yeah and then i think
0: i mean it's not done yet but with a distribution with a24 and everything i think the opportunities that movie has have increased oh yeah a lot you know with those that that deal going through
2: absolutely
0: but yeah but but like my main question is like so you've worked on a lot of independent projects like you know things that didn't have a big studio backing i mean i know the a24 and Plan B, that's not even a big studio, but to me, <laughs> it's pretty right. big, right? Right, no, pretty so, big, pretty
2: big. So what they're... was
0: the difference? You know, did was there a big difference between like something like Apparition or some of the other movies you worked on and, yeah. and being the first on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean, here's what was crazy. I mean, even with Sorry to Bother You, Sorry to Bother You hadn't been bought yet. You know, when we finished it, we had to go through Sundance and they went through the film festival circuit there. And after Sundance, after, you know, uh, their debut at Sundance, did they get picked up by Annapurna? You know what I mean? I'm sorry to bother you with last black man plan, plan B and Age 24 had already picked it up. So there's the security of not having to sell the movie. You know what I mean? That is the nicest thing about that is that you don't have to sell the movie when it's done. You've already got your distribution set up. Right, you, right. That's something you don't have to worry about. They already believe in you, in the, in the idea that this movie is going to be great, um, which was awesome. You know, and we had the, 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 the support from, from, from both sides was amazing. I can say that it was so phenomenal to work with both companies um, and, and the producers nice. that came from both companies had come from incredible projects, you know. Um, so it was just it was really awesome. Um, But but yeah, that was the biggest thing. And then but then with that being said, there's pressure. There's also pressure to uh, to uh, to produce uh, good, good, you know, and to produce results and and good quality results because, you know, you're coming, you're now dealing with these entities that came from like moonlight, right? You know, and it's like, all right, well, so you need to be on par with them, you know, or, you know, at least to to, to to you know don't no half stepping you know what i'm saying now you're right exactly you know? <laughs> so there's 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 it's it, it there, there is pressure definitely in those situations because it's one of those things where you know on an indie feature that's not union you can make some quick decisions sometimes on the day in the moment because you're in charge of that and 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 that's not something that you have to deal with going through like legal um you know hula hoops to try to to try to figure out if this one person can appear in front of the camera you know like there's there's so many other tiny little things that happen when you're dealing with the bigger entities in the unions once you go union there's so many more rules
0: so this was a union feature then
2: yes it was you know i mean it wasn't it wasn't a dga feature because like i said i'm I'm still non-union so, but it was a union feature for all the other departments. So, uh, oh, wow. okay. so, so we had SAG actors, we were working with, uh, Teamsters, um, you know, the, the, the local, local IOT unions, there's so many, there was so many, um, different entities that were a part of this project. Um, you know, and, and that is, you have to make sure that you're, that you're, uh, that you're covering all the bases and everybody's rules when you're working at that level. There's so many rules that you can't break. So
0: what was like one of the biggest challenges you faced working as a first on this this type of big movie? Yeah.
2: So like the biggest thing, the biggest and, and, and the hardest issue on this movie was was just trying to get the amount of work done in the amount of time. Because there, uh, there was just so, so, so much that we wanted to be able to shoot and we were, you know we our, our budget was so tight and our schedule was so tight that it just it, you know it was it was incredibly difficult just to to try to pull whereas like you know on a, on our horror action movie you know it's it's a little it's a little different when you're working on a movie that's heavy dialogue performance is everything so just trying to give your director the space to be able to to shoot these incredibly touching scenes they are almost all it's funny usually i'll be like okay this is an emotional scene on particular scenes but that movie is so awesome it feels like every scene was emotional and touching and every scene needed a certain amount of um of of delicacy so that movie it's gonna be it's so beautiful but that was an incredibly difficult part of it. So
0: how many days did you guys end up shooting on this one?
2: We ended up shooting 25 days. Wow.
0: twenty five. But like to me, that's like 10 more days or 12, 12, you know, eight more days than you shot on apparition, right? That on right. Your horror movie, right? So but doesn't, and you're saying that you didn't have enough time. Was it just because you guys were doing more takes or there was like more pages in the script or? Yeah. I know. mean, if
2: you, you can imagine there's, there's, on a horror movie, there's not so much heavy dialogue. On a movie like um, Last Black Man, it's more of a drama. There's there's so much more dialogue and covering that dialogue in different shots takes time. And, and, and you know, especially if there's performances that are emotional, that takes time to nail it. Um, and also on that movie, just like Sorry to Bother You, gosh, we had so many different talent and cast that came through and you know, managing all these personalities was insane. Oh my gosh. So that was, it was just, it was crazy. We had this one day, there's a particular scene in the movie where all the cast are gathered at like, at at like the climax (laughs) scene. It's just insane when you think about how you're going to shoot that because it's just like, okay, we got to figure out how to get all these people through the works. We got to figure out how to get them all in one room and we got to figure out how to shoot out this massive scene, you know, in a solid amount of time, you know, and make sure, you know, that you get everything. Right. And it's crazy because you'll see these scenes like when you see a movie that's about a wedding, you know what I mean? You got to think about that's. It looks like that's a one hour situation. That's a that's several days. Of shooting <laughs> right, and, and right. match in matching what you did the day right. before that's supposed to be seconds before you know what I mean so right, right. that is that makes that it's a different it's a different situation it's just different type of shooting and a different kind of monster that than than you know than apparition or sorry to bother you and it, from my perspective anyway. Um, as a, as the first AD on this, so
0: journey. what did you learn through this process of working on this this uh, bigger, you know, more expansive project?
2: More than anything, I'm I feel like I'm already known for being one of the the more um, positive attitude having ads <laughs> in in the Bay. Oh, um, absolutely. That's I, my I, experience, <laughs> right? Yeah. I cater big time to just keeping it positive. Like I don't want to scream and, and and yell and, you know, and I don't want to be, I, I want you to feel good about coming to work with me the next day, but even more so while doing that, you know, things can, you know, can get, you know, crazy. And the biggest thing is, you know, when that happens is to keep a calm and level head and, you know, on this movie, there's so much going on. And it was like, we're often trying to coordinate and figure stuff out three days ahead. The biggest thing that that, that I feel that I took out of this is even more than I already do, which is kind of crazy because it almost goes against, you know, the fire and brimstone that ADs are known for, but even more, I, I feel like it's important to be very calm and collected um, on set. And you know to try to avoid being one of those what they you know quote unquote screamer ads, <laughs> right? That, you know that's 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 known for just barking orders at the crew. I feel like it's super important just to be very calm, collected, be be able to get close to your crew and communicate with your crew. And also another thing um, that I feel like I learned was the importance of saying no. You know, saying no to uh, certain things. You you right. as, as the ad. You know, there's a lot that um, you're responsible for. And uh, the, one of the biggest things that you're responsible for is safety, you know? So while you're shooting, you get to, the, you know, down to the, the 12th hour and, you know, you guys know that you're going to go th- over into, a- into, um, into OT, it's like, all right, now we need to be honest. What what are we really going to shoot here? What is you know, how much more are we going to shoot? How much more can the crew take? What's safe? Um, you know, and knowing that everybody's on board, which is always great, like we're going to go into OT, and we're going to shoot, that's great, because that happens all the time. Like I said, that happens all the time. But it's also a, a big deal about recognizing, okay, we shouldn't push the crew this way, we should push them that way, being able to make the judgment call and knowing the right time to say no um you know that's a huge wow. it's a huge 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 um lesson that i feel like more more so than even before that i i feel like i i got very uh a very very uh, good understanding of how important that is
0: so were you able to keep it together the whole time in that movie and not have any screamer moments in last oh, black man did you keep your calm together
2: i feel like i have i feel like every show has a screamer moment for every AD or it it, it may not be like, it may even be a funny screamer moment, but definitely, um, you know, every show has its moments. (laughs) Um, and, uh, but there's, uh, you know, I, I, but I do love, uh, the biggest thing about that movie that was different than a lot of the other projects was that I was able to have the crew around me that I knew that I grew up with. Oh um, nice. That That's was awesome. an, that was the difference between that and a lot of the other projects I had first AD before as far as feature length. They this this was a, a local Bay Area crew like you know on apparition notorious Nick I was out of town, you know working with people who I had never knew before um on this project it was really awesome because I was working with local crew that you know I grew up with that that, that some of these guys had you know been around working as production heads when I was just the production assistant. So I was, I was really, really fortunate to have those guys on my team. Um, you know, in this situation, that's awesome, man.
0: Well, I have like, you know, a trillion more questions for you, but we're running roll along. So we probably should end it. Um, do you have any last words, last things you want to say?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the biggest thing is, uh, as you're, as you're coming up in this industry is I, uh, I really, really, Encourage that if you want to be an AD, I encourage that you PA first, it, because it's so important to learn every department. And when you do PA, even if you don't want to do those other departments, if you want to be an AD, you should do those other par- departments. Like work as an art PA, uh, PA. Uh, you know, do a, be a grip for a day, um, you know, work with all these different departments, you know, uh, be be an office PA. You know help out with hair makeup and wardrobe one time you know i i i highly suggest it because it'll it'll give you the background knowledge of how these departments work and um, how they function their processes and you can apply that to you know your 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 own method as a first ad and it'll help you to understand your crew and understand the processes and how they're working outside of yourself to make your schedule more possible so, you know, in, in just networking is the biggest thing while you're paing. networking. I, I definitely would say I'm, would not be where I am at now if I was not constantly networking as a PA, handing out business cards. Um, I have the craziest story about how I dropped a business card on Dave Chappelle. I'm so like, <laughs> when, when he asked me,
3: oh, friend, he, he so said,
2: funny. he said, man, brother, you, 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 you sound like a cool brother. You should have a business card. Whipped out my business card on Dave Chappelle at that moment, and and it, we had like a, a very cool like yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you nah, know, that's network, hilarious. Networking, you know, networking, <laughs> learning names, remembering names. I I swear yeah. to God that the biggest thing that I do is I, I feel like that I do that a lot of people don't. You'll get on a big set and you'll meet somebody new from out of town, and they'll you know, be like, hey, how how are you doing? You know, I'm so and so. What's your name? And I and it's crazy because. People usually look at me crazy when I do that. But I do that. I'll stop somebody yeah. new that I d- haven't seen on set and ask them what yeah, their man. name is. Because Absolutely. Right. You know, remembering that person, they'll remember that you remembered. You know, and they'll remember that you were that guy that like man out of like a 100 person crew, this particular dude remembered my name and when it got ready he needed something, he was able to call me by my first name. You know, that's a huge part yeah. of coming up in the business. So as a PA I did that. You know, I try to download a whole call sheet of names into my head so that, you know, these folks would know, Hey, that, that kid, he remembered me, you know? So, you know, just your, your network is everything in this industry. Yeah, um, and I try, keep, I
0: try to do that now, man. I mean, on right. every job, try to remember right. everyone's name and call them by their name, get their name, right. You know,
2: right. And that's, it's important, <laughs> but it's also, it's important for the progression of your career because. You know, it's, it's one of those things that those relationships that you make early are going to be the ones that you'll either be working right next to or hiring you um, in the future. So it's, it's important just to to make sure that you keep your network tight and that you have people that are able to vouch for your ability and your craft and your skill. And in, you know, in, in what, so that there's saying good things about you. You don't want people to be spreading bad things about you between sets.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, so I know you're all over IMDB, but where else can people find you? Do you have an Instagram, Facebook website you wanna point people to?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have an Instagram. Um, I do fun stuff on Instagram. I, I sometimes will drop a photo or two of what's happening. Um, but you know, as an AD, That's the funny thing. We're not like cinematographers and there's (laughs) no directors where we, where we always can like exhibit what our work was, you know, besides like the full project. So, um, you know, I do have my IMDB. You'll see more of the stuff that I do outside of feature work and and, and, and TV work on my LinkedIn. I'll put stuff up, you know, the corporate projects that I work there, but more than anything, you'll, you'll see my work in the theaters, man. This, the July 5th, You'll see my work, Sorry to Bother You, and Ant-Man and the Wasp yep. in theaters Nice. There you go. Okay.
0: Yep, yep. And uh, I think in the Bay Area, or at least at Grand Lake Theater, we get Sorry to Bother You on the 13th. So that's when I'm going to see it, in the Grand yes. Lake Theater. Yes. But Hilton, man, thanks so much for coming on the show, dude. This has been great. I think people are going to dig this. They're going to love this episode, man.
3: Awesome. Give us
0: so, many, so much information about the assistant director role. And I think, like... Yeah, I mean, I think it's still this thing that people who don't um, know the film industry don't really know what this role is. And then some people who are even in it don't really know what it is. Right. You know, but uh, it's so, so important. And the AD team is so crucial. Um, So thanks for taking us through it and giving us a a lowdown on, on the
2: whole deal, man. It's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. No problem. Thank you, Ulrich. I was very, very honored to be on the show. I truly appreciate it, brother.
0: Sweet, man. So thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, if you want, you can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com. you can find the links to the things we talked about on this episode. We'll try to dig up trailers for a bunch of Hilton's movies so you can see his work. Um, And then maybe he can even send us some links to some commercials he AD'd just so we can have those on there, too. Um, If you want to get in contact with us, you can send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast. And please, if you like the show, tell a friend, spread the word. You can leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher. And thanks again, Hilton, man, for for this great episode.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: All right. Take care, guys.